Welcome back to Joygasm, where we talk about video games, movies, and pop culture. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360, and with me is Steve, Xbox Live Stevevich, as we start episode 60 today, February 24th, 2018. To get the most out of Joygasm, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. In addition to iTunes and Android, you can listen to our podcast on TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.com slash Joygasm TV. Also for exclusive access and some sweet goodies, check us out at Patreon.com slash Joygasm. And no matter which platform you use to enjoy the show, please drop us a subscription. Thumbs up or a review, it helps us build awareness, which we appreciate very much. There are quite a few stories for us to gab about on this episode. Gaming news includes Ghostbusters and Street Fighter. Movie news includes Black Panther box office numbers, the Batgirl movie, Mark Hamill getting his very own star on the Walk of Fame, Sonic the Hedgehog movie, and Joaquin Phoenix in talks to play a certain prince of crime. Technology covers The Walking Dead roller coaster ride and Hasbro using crowdfunding. Our topic of the day is me, your humble host, being introduced to the Sopranos by my uh, my brother Steve. But first things first, speaking of Steve, how are you? Doing great, Russ. You know, we um, got quite a bit of rain this week. It has been a soggy week. A very thundery, lightningy, rainy week. And uh, I uh, almost flooded my car. You almost flooded your car? I almost flooded my car. Did I, you leave the... Do you have a sunroof? I can't remember if you have a sunroof. That'll be a negative on that one, Ghost Rider. Mm-hmm. Did you leave your windows down? No! Oh, I'm about to tell you, actually. Did you leave your hood up? No! Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, no, I forgot what this, I don't know, Tuesday, I think it was, I was uh, driving to work, and uh, maybe it was Wednesday, I don't know, that didn't matter, Russ. And uh, the rain is like, so I wake up, right, and um, and it's gray outside, and I can hear the thunder and the lightning, but I don't hear any rain, so I'm thinking, okay, you know, it's it's building up, whatever, so I'm getting ready for work, and and uh I, I back out the car and I'm looking up. It's totally gray, and of course, it starts to like it, it starts to rain as I'm backing out the car. And I usually warm up, warm it up a little bit before mm-hmm. I just you know jump out there because I you know I want to warm it up before I jump on the highway and start fast and furious to get to work. Gotcha. So uh, of course, as I back it out, the rain goes go whoosh, just dumps like, and I and I'm gonna have my umbrella or my jacket yet because I'm I just backed out the car right, so I get soaking wet. Run back in inside to grab everything, my coffee, my breakfast, and whatever, you know, what happened. Mm-hmm. So get back in the car, and I'm driving, and it's raining so hard. It is raining so hard. The entire highway is driving only like about 35 miles an hour because no one can see anything in front of yeah, them. Yeah, because you're being pelted by water balloon-sized raindrops. I mean, insane-sized raindrops. Yeah. I mean... I might even put, if anybody wants to see it, I took a video of while I was driving, probably not the smartest thing to do, but uh, <laughs> despite the fact that you were being pelted, no one could see you slowing down traffic. I'm going to bust out my phone and take some video. So the only thing I think of was that scene in Forrest Gump in, in Vietnam when he's talking about oh, the yeah. rain. Oh my goodness. So I, I take the exit off and I knew this road was going to be bad, but I thought Siri would kind of uh, detour me if it mm-hmm. was bad. Well, she didn't detour me because they they didn't the the 
city didn't detour the road. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh no. And so I get off the highway and it's only one way because it's an off ramp, right? And so there's no backing up and I see waters all across the road. And it's not just like a big puddle. What is a big puddle? But it's a huge puddle. Yeah. And I can see like these big ripples. Like it's not just flat like a puddle. And I think, oh, great. And I can see this old, older kind of Ford contour stuck there. Great. And the water's like, like past the door line. I'm going, I'm already in it and I can't back up. Like, what am I going to do? And so I thought, okay, well, I'm going to go to the, <laughs> to the leftmost part of the road because that's where the curb is. And that's probably where it's going to be, uh, the, the shallowest. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, man. So I'm, I, I'm, I'm in the puddle and I could hear, you know, usually when you go through a puddle, you can hear the water, f- you know, on the, t- on the tires. This was more like under the car. And I'm going, Oh no, I'm looking at like, I'm, at the bottom of my door to see if any like water's coming through. And I'm just, I mean, I'm going only like about four, four or five miles an hour, just real slow, easy does it. Vroom, 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 but I'm having, you know, just easing the clutch out and everything. And I made it through, made it through. Car was making some funny noises afterward, but she kept on ticking. Yeah. Kept we ticking, we had baby. some flash flood warnings going through over the past week. Yeah. I remember actually coming home from work one night and there was someone who didn't want to have to wait for the traffic because the traffic was traveling a bit slower than usual. So this person decided to actually hop the curb where the, you know how sometimes you have like the, the grass, um, I don't know what you call it, but it's like, or whatever. So that was what wasn't in the middle. So it wasn't the Island, but it's on the, the right hand side of the, the road past the, you know, just the, the shoulder. And it's, it was kind of where like you have a service road that goes and they just want, they were, you could tell planning on trying to hop over this like grassy knoll mound thing and get onto the service roads. So they wouldn't have to wait. Well, they got stuck <laughs> because it has been raining and, uh, it just effectively turned that grassy area into just the, the like the worst Bog. muddy bog yeah <laughs> out of the witcher <laughs> oh my gosh yeah i mean it, it was crazy just see i'm like yeah that person and you could tell they were trying to like they had that kind of oh moment yeah. with the car and <laughs> seemed like a good idea at the time yeah <laughs> yeah so they were probably stuck there for quite some time and then the other thing too is like as i was getting to work um due to the amount of rain that we were getting all of the gutters were were absolutely flooded and <laughs> So I actually ended up totally soaking my my feet uh, two days in a row, actually, because I was trying to like jump over, trying to like make it and of course failing miserably. So like my whole foot just disappears oh. under like this like running river of water. Nuts. So <laughs> I had to work those two days in the office with completely, utterly soaked socks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was it, like the best way I could describe it would be like, imagine getting two socks out from like the washing machine yeah. and putting them on. That's like how it was. That's terrible. That ruins your day right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Goodness. Oh, I, I had half a mind to like, just go buy some sort of nearby department store and just buy some new socks, but I was too busy. I didn't, I just powered through it and got home and changed at that point. But <laughs> yeah, lots of water in the, uh, the Texas area. Well, I guess I should say what I've been watching because I know that's uh, yeah. That's what have you been playing? What have you been watching? On your brain there. Well, I can give you a hint, Russ. It starts out with something like the following takes place. 
between 9 a.m. and 10 a.m. I will go so far as to venture a guess and say 24. <laughs> yes. Yes. So basically what happened was um, after the episode, we were talking about the Oscar nominations. I went to Netflix and was like, okay, mm-hmm. move that to the top and you know, look this one up. Just like I was saying, well, they I didn't do it in time. Mm-hmm. And so they shipped me uh, 24 and so now I've started season four of 24. So is this the Jack Bauer 24 yeah. or, or is this the, the new 24? No, no, come give me a break. Well, Russ. I can't remember if you, I haven't finished the whole entire series. Okay. I finished one, two and three. You got a ways to go. I do have a ways to go. Okay. Well, you know, all this other game playing and show watching movies. For some reason, I thought stuff that gets in the way. I thought you had watched all of the Jack Bauer seasons years ago, but no, I was mistaken. Yes. So, uh, well, it's good that you're continuing it, Steve. Now I've begun 24 season four and I've begun Homeland season one. And now I have to wait a couple of weeks until I get all the Oscar nomination movies out of the way. And then I have to go back to these two. (laughs) You're going to start getting plot Uh, points all mixed up. Yeah. No kidding. So uh, I started that one. And then I started watching uh, House of Cards again because I haven't finished up season five. I have not started that yet. I'm mm-hmm. behind on that. I need to. I'm glad you said that. I need to, yeah, to watch that. Yeah. And then I watched uh, The Foreigner, which is a movie that we had played the trailer on uh, on the show a few months ago. It was with uh, Jackie Chan. Right. I recall that. And uh, Pierce uh, Pierce uh, Brosnan, Bro- mm-hmm. Bro- yeah. Uh, so that was okay. I eh, that that was all right. I was cool to see Jackie Chan on screen again. He plays kind of a different role than yeah he normally plays. But then again, I kind of miss the role that he usually plays. But you know, he's a little bit older, so he can't really do you know a lot of action packed sure. stuff he used to. Mm-hmm. But um, you kind of already know who's the good guy and who's the bad guy and. You know what's going to happen. It's kind of predictable. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't a bad movie. I'm not going to say that. It just was. You're you're glad you watched it on Netflix as opposed to seeing it in the theater. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Did you play any games, Russ? I've been playing. Uh, the only game I've been playing is Overwatch. That's the only kind of game you need That's to play. Right. Well, I think you know what I'm going to do. I I need. I have some games that I'm not playing anymore, and uh, I, I think I'm going to go trade them in. See if I can get something else. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. We'll see. You know, I, I need to bring up some other games. You know, you, you have the plethora of, of unplayed titles. I still know. Still wrapped in cellophane mm-hmm. that are completely unplayed. But I'm on a different story, bro. Uh-huh. You're welcome to, to borrow certain yeah. titles. Well, you still have my Forza 3. Yeah, you still have my Grand Theft Auto and my Battlefield I even started 1. That's <laughs> right. I have started playing Battlefield 1, though. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, there is something that I uh, forgot to mention a couple of uh, Joygasm episodes ago. A couple of gasms ago? A couple of gasms ago <laughs> that are filled with joy. <laughs> John Williams had his birthday. Oh, Got a me- that's an honorable mention, right? There. That is. That's why I, I could not wait to, uh, to to talk about this. The man turned 86 years old. So 
the one one of the things that I will always treasure is the very first time I was able to watch him live at a concert. It was actually on his birthday back then as well. And at the time, he turned 70, which was really fun because the orchestra ended up playing the happy birthday song and everybody in the audience got to sing happy birthday to John Williams, which I, I thought that was a pretty cool thing to do. Yeah. So How old is he, 86? He's now 86. 86 years young. That man has done a tremendous amount in terms of the auditory arts for not just the United States, but for the globe. That guy is just, ugh. Love me some Johnny. But anyway, moving right along, um, I ended up watching the Batman movie that came out. It's an animated cartoon, but it was the rated R Batman movie. I think we actually talked a little bit about it here on Joygasm when, when was they it, were. Was it the anime one? It wasn't the anime one. It's this other one that was done. I believe it was done um, here in the States, but it was the one that actually um, it, it it takes place with one of the famous comic books that got written where literally where the Joker um, shoots Batgirl and, and paralyzes her. It's, it's that really famous. I can't remember what the exact title is off the top of my head, but didn't that happen out of Gar- uh, Goth? Uh, what was it? Uh, the Arkham Asylum? No, uh, Arkham city. You the game. You mean Arkham Knight? Arkham Knight. Uh, well, they, they, they kind of took some creative liberties on there. The Arkham Knight one was all about the hallucinations, right? right? So they had the fear toxin. And so it, it, it twisted around a bit, but it, it did have a little bit mm. of that homage to the original comic. Yeah. And that was actually one of the more violent comic books that have ever come out. Um, and the, the whole storyline itself was, was pretty messed up, but it was also fascinating to read just because it, they actually took time to show Joker before he became the Joker and what his personal life was like and that sort of thing. So this particular movie just expanded upon the comic book itself. You could tell they use that as like the, the foundation of the film. And then just, you know, the Mark Hamill came back as the voice of the Joker and they had Kevin Conroy as Batman. And so overall I would say it was, it was pretty good. It was pretty decent. I thought that there were certain times where the actual drawings could have been better. Hmm. I was a little surprised as to how rough some of it was from, from, you know, just certain scenes. Other parts I thought looked fine, but there are certain scenes where I was like, man, it's kind of a rush job on this, especially considering it was like a movie. It wasn't just right. your Saturday morning cartoon. But so overall, I thought it was decent, decent film. Man, I remember coming home from junior high and watching Batman the Animated Series at four o'clock on Channel 2. Great yes, show. That was oh a, my goodness. One of the best. Oh, couldn't wait to get home from school and watch Batman. One of the things that I thought was a little surprising about this particular film was the fact that it had a rated R yeah. on the movie itself. Yeah. And I'm thinking back through the movie and there is no nudity. Mm-hmm. I can't recall there really being any kind of cussing either. Any I mean, there, there, there may have been like a little bit here and there, but, but really, I mean, you, you now you do see blood. There are, there is blood here do, and there. You do see someone get their arms torn off. No, 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 no. <laughs> you don't see, you don't see anything like that. <laughs> but I was just kind of surprised. I was like, wow, rated R. Okay. Well, all right. It, it just didn't strike me. I, it looked more PG 13 ish to me than right. radar. I'm not exactly sure. 
why they got yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know. I remember uh, when one of the uh, live action, I think, Jungle Books came out back in the day. Not the not this latest one, but mm-hmm. um, it was the one with, uh, I think, Jason Scott Lee was uh, the main character. And it was rated PG. And I remember all, a ton of people dying almost every single way possible they could die, like poisoned and then... And, and, uh, eaten and dismemberment. Like, they fell off a cliff, like and, and you know, uh, any um, shot blindness. <laughs> I'm like, how was this rated PG? When like, <laughs> tons of people died every way imaginable. I see. Anyway, now I have been playing Overwatch, and I have some thoughts on Capture the Flag. As do I. Because Capture the Flag, as you well know, did make its triumphant return within Overwatch. Mm-hmm. I am a little conflicted as to some of the changes. Like, like, and for those of you who have uh, yet to to play the updated version of CTF, so in the old days you had to actually stand over the flag. There's a charging period before you could grab a hold of the flag, and then you could go do your thing, and and you had all your abilities available to you to, you know, no matter which character you were using that has now changed to now, if you just simply run over the flag, you then pick it up and you can start running with it. However, the, the difference is that now you have certain abilities that have, that are stripped from you. If you're holding the flag, right? I'm not sure how I feel about that. I think at first I really didn't like it because I was in the dark in terms of just, okay, what what can I do and what can I not do when I have the flag? There, there just wasn't a, a tutorial or any kind of like heads up. It was just kind of, oh, you got to figure it out as you go. So that was a bit, I don't know, like, like I just, I felt like I was at a constant disadvantage because if I did anything aside from just hoofing it yeah. back to my base, it's like I was going to be penalized by dropping the flag or... Uh, just something not registering correctly. So um, I thought I would do everyone a little bit of a service here and uh, let you know what uh, I was able to find most of the characters uh, in terms of, of, of what you um, cannot do if you have the flag. Okay. <laughs> so if you're Doomfist and you have the flag, you cannot do your seismic slam or your rocket punch and the meteor strike. I mean, really, they, they, they castrated yeah. the poor Doomfist. Yeah. <laughs> um, this I do not like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for Genji, you cannot do your swift strike. If you do it, you'll drop the flag. Mm-hmm. For Farah, this is one that always uh, bummed me out. You cannot use the jump jet, which is that like, cool... Mm-hmm instant burst of, of uh, leapage same, that you can get. Same thing with Winston. I know that one's coming. Um, for Reaper, you cannot shadow step. Uh, yep. And uh, you cannot use your Wraith form. Mm-hmm. Soldier 76, you cannot sprint. Mm-hmm. You can kind of see a little bit of a pattern emergency yep. here. Sombra, this was one I, I was pretty upset about. Sombra, you cannot use your translocator and you cannot use your um, thermo or thermoptic camo. Mm-hmm. Tracer, you cannot blink or recall. May, you cannot cryo-freeze. Widowmaker, you cannot use your grappling hook. Diva, no boosters. Reinhardt, you cannot charge. And of course, Winston, to your point, Steve, you cannot use your jump pack. Mercy, you cannot use your guardian angel or your Valkyrie. Those are the ones I was able to to find out. But um, 
I, you know, it got me thinking about one of my favorite all-time multiplayer games, Halo. And as you know, Capture the Flag was also one of the best game modes for Halo. And Griffball. And Griffball. Gotta love Griffball. <laughs> but what was interesting was that back in the Halo days of Capture the Flag, if you recall, once you grabbed the flag, you also really couldn't use your weapons at all. Really, all you had was just you could pistol whip <laughs> using the flagpole itself. The flag, yeah. And I mean, the cool thing about that was that they actually upped the amount of damage. So you could literally do like yeah. a one hit, one kill kind of thing. Yeah, because then you would have your weapons and if you actually got killed shooting the flag bearer, yeah. you're like, oh man. <laughs> yeah. How much, pretty humble. Yeah. Yeah, pretty Such humbling. Such a weakling. So, but, but I mean, that was kind of a, a thrill for folks who were playing Halo just because as the flag bearer, yeah, you get, you get stripped of your abilities. If you were to actually use your weapons, you would drop the flag. So it really encouraged this idea of playing together as a team where you had your teammates come and, and provide cover as, as the flag bearers trying to make their way back to the base. What's interesting about Overwatch is uh, while I do see what they're trying to do with that because they're, they're stripping. It's weird. It's like, like with, with overwatch, obviously you have different abilities for different characters and halo. You didn't have that. Halo was just, everybody could jump. Everybody could have weapons. You now you had a bit of an arms race in the sense that if you found the rocket launcher or sniper rifle, whatever, then yeah, you would have some sort of temporary advantage over the other players, depending on just what, what your strategy was. However, in Overwatch, a lot of the gameplay mechanics are just so grounded in their abilities right. that when you take those away, suddenly it's like, okay, well, I could, I'm guessing they're trying to make it more of a thrilling grind, if you will, to like, like if someone's able to get the flag, they have to like slowly but surely make it back to right. uh, their, their particular base. I just feel like there is something there that's kind of missing in terms of the excitement, because I, I don't know. I, I, I think if I had to venture a guess, and I want to get your opinion on this, but oh, do you? I have a feeling the maps are too small. I think that's one of the biggest issues with Capture the Flag when when it applies to these new types of, of rules with as you know for, for Overwatch itself. I feel like when I think of the capture flag maps for Halo, I mean, you had these sprawling maps. Yeah, no, that was, oh, was that Blood Gulch? And you had to like go, yeah. from, you had to like walk and run for five minutes. <laughs> like hoping you're not going to die. Yeah. And you had the teleporters that you could still use even right. as a flag bearer. But I think oh, that interesting. And I think you ran a little bit slower too once you had the flag. So you couldn't run yeah. as fast as everybody else. <laughs> Which, I mean, like if Makes I think sense. of the Overwatch part of it, okay, fine. If you can't use your dash esque yeah, abilities right. within Overwatch, fine. You're, you're just going to hoof it. However, what I think one of the big differences between Halo and Overwatch is the fact that in Halo, you had multiple paths that you could take to get back to the base and score with the flag. Whereas in overwatch, it feels a lot more linear driven. And I think it's, it's partly due to the fact that the maps are just so smaller than the ones in halo, but also too, even the design of the maps. Yeah. You have a, a, a few in there that you could possibly take an alternate route instead of just the, the straightforward one. But I think that's one of the, the big issues I think I have with it is that when you become the flag bearer, you you're really just at a huge disadvantage. I mean, you, there's really not a lot you can do to try and outsmart the, uh, the other team. Well, what are your thoughts? Well, there's a, there's a, I have a few. So 
I think what may have happened is that people like me who were stuck, the single one person stuck defending the flag mm-hmm. in this montage of militia came and I'm like, great, you know, one me <laughs> and then, you know, and then what happened is as this militia, they probably killed off the rest of our team and it's just me uh-huh. and I'm the one person trying to defend against an army barreling down on me to take the flag. And right. then, oh, Steve, what's going on? Like, you know, you're defending the flag. You let them take it. Well, I, I know that, but I'm, you know, try, I'm a one man army here against five. Yeah. So, and then, or uh, something like, you know, Genji or Winston or Diva or Sombra or somebody would come in and then just appear and then disappear with the flag. And there's nothing you can do. I mean, how many times is Diva came down, used her shield and I'm Bastion or I'm, I'm a tubioid mm-hmm. and there's nothing I can do because her shield's absorbing everything. Then she gets the flag and then she boosts off and I'm just sitting there, the small, <laughs> you know, the small crying dwarf, you know, and like <laughs> gray, I can't do squat. Uh-huh. So I think part of it was the, that that had happened. So the way it is now is like Torbjorn, he's almost useless. If he, mm. if he is the lone defense person, he's useless because yeah. someone can come in like Lucio come in. He's pre, he's quicker than everybody else. Typically he takes the flag and he's, he's out. And with all the other columns and, you know, mm-hmm. obstructions within the map there, I, I can't, I can't kill him fast enough. Right. Um, so now if it's Torbjorn with, with uh, Symmetra, for example, okay, well, Symmetra can slow the person down, but it, it, it really requires you to have multiple defense, a, a defense team and an offense team. So that can be a little bit more fun yeah. in a sense. So I can see how they would balance it in a way that, okay, once you get the flag, we're going to reduce your amount of abilities. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you're going to try and outsmart the other, the other team, or you just have to work more as a team to try and get the flag instead of just one person going in That's there, true. dropping a shield down, jumping way off half across the map. I mean, I remember plenty of times uh, defending and then uh, someone would go like Soldier 76 would, would, would go get the flag mm-hmm. as well as the rest of the team get it sprint back. And I can, I can, I was watching the top of the screen where it has a little chart of, you know, okay, you sure. know, the person's here and they need to get back here. Point yeah. A to point B. And he was like really quick, <laughs> like within two seconds to be back in. I'm like, man, there's like hardly any time. I think that, yeah, I think that's a good point. I think that Blizzard is attempting to have more of that, that team experience right. when, you know, when it, when it applies to capture the flag, I think, I haven't really seen a ton of that. I think that that it has the makings of a change going on. I think it's just a, a matter of time for players to have to adapt some of the new rules. And, that, and that's just one of the things about Overwatch that it's kind of a love hate relationship, honestly, because they're constantly balancing different parts of the game, right? They're, they're going into different game modes or they're constantly tweaking the characters. And on the one hand, some of the stuff they do, I really like a lot. And then other things they do, and it's like, it's not that I hate it per se. It's just, I'm not made aware of what the changes are. Like, like they don't, it's not like they send out an email to all the different players, like, and which honestly would not be hard to do regardless of whether you're on a PC or you're playing on Xbox, you're playing on PlayStation, whatever, just send out an email. Like, like we all have 
um, you know, whether you're using the, the Blizzard dashboard or, you know, like you're in your, your Xbox dashboard. Yeah. We have messages that are there. Just send us something that kind of gives us a heads up as to like what the changes are. Because I, I don't know, it's just kind of frustrating when all of a sudden you're used to or, or you're expecting the game to play a certain way. And then when it doesn't, then you're just you're, you're just fumbling at that point. They, they, they basically leave it up to you. Uh, Jeff Kaplan's got a, uh, a, a YouTube channel mm-hmm. that he you can go see what the updates are. And he'll just basically say, this is what we've been thinking about. These are the changes we're going to implement and we'll get your reactions and yeah. change it. We, we will change it. But they're like a 10 to 15, maybe 20 minute video of him just talking right at you. This is what's going to come. But you have to go look at the video. They, they mm-hmm. don't automatically send it out. And when I think of like Halo, for instance, the only thing that Bungie did back in the day was they would introduce new map packs. So you'd have to learn the map itself and find out like just where everything is located, that sort of thing. But that was kind of fun because it was exploratory. You were discovering these new maps and it was exciting. And that's the same as, you know, as Overwatch where like you get a new map and you can't wait to check out where everything is. And it's fun because it kind of levels the playing field a bit because no one knows where everything is. And yeah, that, that part of it is cool. And I will say that I do feel better after finding that particular article that listed the stuff that you can and can't do mainly the stuff you can't do, which is basically one ability for every character. Pretty well, some of them are too. like, like for instance, like Sombra, like Sombra is an extremely squishy character. Like her, purpose really is to be able to stealthily um, flank and outmaneuver people like that. She's not designed to be able to like take on a full frontal assault. And so the fact that they took away two big abilities, I mean, the fact that she could go into stealth mode and to use her translocator, (laughs) I mean, you're just, you're essentially just kind of running out there. I mean, the only other ability that she still has is being able to hack stuff. I mean, whoop-de-doo, you can't, you can't do anything with, with that. So, I mean, it's, it's just unfortunate because the older version of Capture the Flag, Miss Sombra, was a force to be reckoned with, which was saying something because Sombra, as a character, she's she's not a bad character, per se. If you really know how to use her, then she can be pretty effective. But I just feel like she, she still is quite squishy. And so ctf was kind of one of the the opportunities for her to shine a bit more so i don't know maybe they'll they'll continue to to balance it out the nice thing i am happy about is that you still can use your ultimates true no matter which character you are right now they do have the capture the flag competitive there which we have not tried yet i have tried it oh you have were you victorious i was yes and now how many Matches have you played? Uh, three. Have you been victorious in all three, Steve? No. No. Yes, have, you, have you been victorious in two out of three? Yes. Oh, well, congratulations. <laughs> now, the other thing I've been doing this weekend is that it is my wife's birthday. You didn't mention one more thing about the uh, new capture the flag, Rush. Oh, what did I forget? The draw. If you... Oh! The timer runs out. And it's a draw. They make somebody win when by bringing the flags a lot closer together, so it's a little more intense. Now, yeah, now that is something that gets a big thumbs up from me mm. because I just I don't know I I just I love the idea that it's sudden death and all right. of a sudden the flags move just a little bit closer to each other and I don't know it just gets more of that 
epic feel to it. It's like, ooh, what's going to happen now? It's on like Donkey Kong. That's right. Gets everybody's juices pumping, blood pumping. So your wife's birthday, Russ. Yeah, so this weekend is her birthday, and she wanted to go see The Greatest Showman, which was a movie that came out a little while back. It's still in theaters. It stars uh, Hugh Jackman. Oh, yes. And it is kind of one of those films that's a... <laughs> the best way I can describe it, it's kind of like a little, it's not a sing-along, but it's a, what do you call those? Musical. Musical. Thank you, Steve. You know, it's uh, got music in it, and uh, <laughs> well, I don't know, I forgot what it's called. It's got music, people singing, and it's yeah. plot, and mm-hmm. yeah. it's kind of like the Miserable in a way. <laughs> actually, it's funny you mentioned that because I was thinking about the Miserable. That was actually a really good movie. It was, and Hugh Jackman also uh, starred in that one as well, Russ. He was indeed. Uh, Jean Valjean, if I'm no. not mistaken. Now, do you know kind of the synopsis of The Greatest Showman? Uh, no. So he plays... Can you wrap it up in about 10 seconds or less? Mr. Barnum. There you go. <laughs> yeah. He's from uh, Barnum Bailey Circus. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it uh, takes place... It kind of goes into the uh, whole idea of when he was a kid and then how he was able to get the business off the ground and turn it into the greatest show on earth. Indeed. So it was fun. I mean, it's definitely something I could I could see the a lot of the the ladies out there will really enjoy it because it's Hugh Jackman and who doesn't like Hugh Jackman? Hugh Jackman's a good guy. Lots of catchy tunes, lots of fun music and stuff. And, and uh, you know, the wife was happy, so that's all that matters. Well, you know, some of the ladies like the artsy fartsy movies. I had a fun time watching it while stuffing my mouth with uh, peanut M <laughs> By the by. I was curious after seeing the movie about Hugh Jackman's love life because I've never seen really any body who he dates or whatever. Turns out the dude's been married for a long time and he has, he married um, uh, an Australian actress slash producer by the name of Deborah Lee Furness. Hmm. And she's actually an older lady. Indeed. She is about 13 years older than Mr. Jackman. Man. Yeah, but it was really, really cool to be able to look it up and see. And, and it's just, I think they've been marrying for 20 years, maybe. That's fantastic. Like that. Yeah. I mean, just apparently he met her on like one of his first acting gigs and she was like just way more established than he was and totally fell for her and uh, turned out that she actually was really attracted to him as well. No. I, what was kind of funny, I saw some earlier pictures of, of Hugh, and it's just fun. It's, it's endearing to see, like, earlier shots. And he, he was just more of a normal-looking guy, you know? Right, like, I mean, yeah, no, right. He's really, like, just... I mean, the, the dude works out and yeah. everything else and just, yeah, great personality and stuff. So, um, yeah, just... It, it's really interesting. Apparently, I think Hugh Jackman right now is, like, 46 or something, and his wife is in her 50s. Um, so, anyway... Really, really cool. God bless him. I just thought it would be fun just to talk about that just because for the longest time I was thinking, man, is, is who's he dating? Like, who's he with? And it's just like, oh, he the, the man is loyal and he's uh, got a lovely family. So. He is 49. Well, he's 49. Yes, he is. So at uh, 13 years to that and actually she might be, oh, you know what? She's probably just breaking through the 60s uh, barrier there. So... Anyway, the more you know. That's pretty cray-cray because uh, in Hollywood, they, marriages don't last much longer than three years. 
That's very true. Marriages like that are a rarity. And actually, I was reading a fun little article about that because I was just curious. You know, curious minds want to know. <laughs> so I did a little so research on it. So I was reading Cosmopolitan the other day. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I um I found this fun article where they were interviewing his wife and they were asking her, of course, you know, you know, what's your secret? Like, what 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 is it about uh, your guys' relationship that you guys do to keep the romance going? Love, and leather and whips. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Um, she had a very simple answer that I love. She said, "We do not spend longer than two weeks apart. That any time that like Hugh, for instance." is on some movie project or whatever. If it goes longer than two weeks, she'll go visit him on set or he'll fly back and visit with her and stuff. And I thought, yeah, you know, that, that is a, that's a very, very good idea. It's just, you know, longer than two weeks. It's like, yeah. And plus I was thinking too, like if I was some like movie star, that'd be fun to like have the wife come by and just hang out and say hi and that sort of thing. I mean, it's be able to show her what we're working on. Oh, I thought I think that'd be well, really cool. Yeah, it makes perfect sense because you think uh, some movies like Lord of the Rings, for example, they were gone for a long time, like a year or more. Yeah, if I remember correctly, I've I watched all as much behind the scenes stuff as I could, mm-hmm. and their families are going, "Are you coming back?" Like, <laughs> you know, military folks come back sooner than you're coming back from making a right. movie. So, yeah, no, I thought I thought it was uh, worthy of mention there. So. Going back to gaming stuff I've been doing, I have gotten back into playing more Horizon Zero Dawn, the DLC pack. Oh, here we go. That was one of the things that I uh, really fell off the bandwagon. I, I downloaded initially, started to play it, and then just started playing other stuff. And I thought, man, I got to get back into that. So having a good time with that. Mm. Love me some Horizon. I know. It's very pretty. Especially when it's uh, Zero Dawn. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I have also started to play Shadow of the Colossus for PlayStation 4. Oh, I knew you were downloading that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm still getting used to the controls. The jury is still out on that one. If you recall, we were talking about it on a previous episode, and IGN gave it a 9.7 out of 10. I remember. Very, very high. Indeed. However, I'm still trying to get used to just the controls. The controls are the biggest thing for me, and I'm not sure just... I don't know. I need more time with it. It's just things that normally you would expect to be or not in this. You could tell they took more kind of like a, I don't know, a different approach to uh, just to doing something as simple as just riding your horse. Like I'm, I'm having the hardest time controlling the horse on the screen and the camera suddenly will start to kind of drift to the right or to the left and I the characters. Can't wh- see where I'm yeah. going. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what the heck is happening. So, um, anyway, I, I'm, I, I just know I'm doing something wrong with the controller or whatever. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see how it goes in the weeks to come. But anyway, that's about all that's, uh, new in my world. That's all. That's what's up. Yes. <laughs> toaster. Well, let's get into some gaming news. What do you say, Steve? (laughs) Yeah. So we have fun stories here. There's just two, but they are quite fun. First of all is Ghostbusters World announced. So Ghostbusters World is a mobile augmented reality game for Android and iPhone. I decided to chat about this just because I was a big fan of Pokemon Go. 
If you recall earlier last year, I was actually talking about how it got me back out walking. It was actually fun to be able to try and capture the little Pokemon creatures. Right. So this game apparently uses the same gameplay mechanics as Pokemon Go. Players use smart devices to find and catch specters, ghosts, and apparitions. Um, a specific release date and price have not yet been revealed. But in Ghostbusters world, players will be able to battle and capture hundreds of ghosts from all dimensions of the franchise, including the films, TV shows, comic books, theme parks, and video games. I have a question. Yes, sir. Is someone going to have to throw down their phone as the uh, Ghostbusters <laughs> trap? You know, actually, I saw a trailer, and there is a, a sequence where you see the trap, like like the doors yeah. will shut on the screen itself. So you're, you're not too far off, but I have a feeling that uh, you'll have many broken phones if they were to actually like, do that. Okay, dude, it's your turn. You got the OtterBox. I'm like, no, you throw your phone. <laughs> as a final little note here, there will also be new ghosts to capture, created especially for the game course but i think that's like something that you and i will be able to pick up give it a shot give it a whirl give it a wild stab it's a little more up our alley as opposed to pokemon go and i'm, I'm telling you pokemon go was a fun game all things considered your daughter might like pokemon go yeah i think she probably would depending on uh, how scary the ghostbusters one is she might be uh, digging that one as well the uh second story i have here steve New art book marks 30th anniversary of Street Fighter series. IGN reported that Kadokawa Corporation will release Street Fighter Memorial Archive Beyond the World in Japan on March 24th to mark the 30th anniversary of the Street Fighter series. It will be priced at 3,900 yen, which is about 36 bucks. The book is currently available for pre-order on Amazon Japan. This anniversary publication features cover art of the most recent Street Fighter V arcade edition and even has its in-card illustrations, which are the uh, rewards that you get for clearing arcade mode that show up in your gallery, something that I am in the process of collecting. The book also features interviews with previous developers of the Street Fighter series, as well as illustrators and manga artists with compilations of illustrations from previous games in the series. Street Fighter Memorial Archive Beyond the World looks to be a must-have for fans of the Street Fighter series, naturally. I know that I would like to pick up uh, my grubby little hands on something like that. I know you would. And uh, let's segue right into movies. Now, movies, we have quite the uh, list to go through here, Steve. Do you, Ross? Black Panther has fifth biggest movie opening ever. King T'Challa and his team attracted a massive turnout of fans, opening to a draw dropping $235 million over the four-day President's Day holiday weekend. Overall, Black Panther generated the fifth largest opening weekend of all time, which was a Friday to Sunday, behind Star Wars The Force Awakens, which was at $248 million, Star Wars The Last Jedi at $220 million, Jurassic World at $208.8 million, and The Avengers, $207.4 million. It looks like blasting past the $500 million mark by the end of the domestic run looks like it could be very likely. So I say congratulations yeah. to uh, the cast and crew of Black Panther. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the movie's doing great. Everyone, uh, it's been getting a lot of very, very good reviews, especially ours. Absolutely. Now, 
This one is a bit of a, I don't know, kind of an eyebrow razor. Oh. Joss Whedon. You know Joss Whedon. He's, he's nodding his head. Yes, he's, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. His yeah, eyeballs yeah, 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 are, are yeah, darting yeah, back and yeah, forth. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, what movie has he worked on, Steve? I don't know, Ross, but uh, I know the name. Steve, that's what we call <laughs> a lie. <laughs> liar, liar, your pants are on fire. Enough of that, Al Pacino. Joss Whedon, you know, the little director who directed The Avengers. The dude uh, who stepped in and helped uh, yeah. uh, right, Zack Snyder out with uh, Justice yeah. League. Oh, uh, yeah, that guy, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I can't trust you anymore, you deceitful little liar. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> Josh, Josh Sweden. <laughs> uh, he has exited the DC Batgirl movie. I didn't even know this guy was involved with a Batgirl movie. Uh, unless we, there, I don't know. Maybe there was a little nugget in the past somewhere. Uh, but it's, it was definitely something that was buried very far deep beneath where the sun don't shine. <laughs> In a statement released to The Hollywood Reporter, Whedon, who was attached to write and direct the DC movie, said he, he left the project because he couldn't come up with a story. <laughs> I'm out of here! <laughs> According to THR sources, Whedon struggled to come up with a story for the Batgirl movie after spending a year trying. The outlet sources also noted that with cultural shifts currently taking place in the entertainment industry, a male director could potentially face more backlash for directing the film. What do you think about that? I'm back. No, I'm just kidding. You know, whatever works, Russ. You know, I, I, I mean, with the DC films, I was kind of like, you know, so-so with them. So, and I know they were receiving a lot of the similar opinions. So, I don't know. Whatever... They have to catch up to the Marvel somehow. Maybe they're taking him out because they have something better in mind, you know? Well, but he was talking about I me. Mean, it says, you know, what was interesting is said that noted that the, with the cultural shift currently taking place in the entertainment industry, a male director could potentially face more backlash for directing the film, which leads me to believe that because the film itself is Batgirl right. and he's a man, that somehow, like, there would be some sort of lost in translation thing. I don't know. For me, I don't think that what's between your legs should dictate authenticity or not. I mean, I understand that, yeah, there will be times where you have certain male directors or female directors that will do a, an amazing job on any given movie. Uh, but I don't know. I just, I hope that's not the case. I don't, I don't want the, it to turn into something where like all of a sudden we turn away a really talented director who would be just a perfect fit for something just because of what sex they are. I don't know. Yeah, I get it. I'm, Hollywood's getting more and more PC as much as they talk about how not PC they are. Yeah. And I hope that it's, like you said, that's not the case, but you never know. I mean, again, like going the, the opposite direction too, like Wonder Woman, for instance, like I wouldn't want anyone but Penny Jenkins directing that. She did a fine job, and especially with, with Gal Gadot. I mean, like just... We you and I have, have have lavished that movie with with all kinds of praise and stuff, and so, but I mean, what what would happen if, if suddenly Patty Jenkins was given a, a certain project and you know the the, the roles reversed, where all of a sudden it's like, oh well, because it stars a male superhero, then oh no, that might be yeah. backlash. <laughs> right, it's like right. well, what? <laughs> She's yeah. a good director, exactly. And then it would be worse because then you know I I don't even want to get there. I don't want to go there. <laughs> Mark Hamill to receive a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Hadn't he already had his little star? Nope. 
I, that's that's kind of hard to believe. He's got a star somewhere. Well, if you think about it, he really hasn't been in that many movies. Yeah, I know, but Star Wars. I mean, come on. He star, had to have his star for that. Star Wars really has not. I mean, it, it's it's been very successful with the fans. In terms of the industry itself, though, it has been met with kind of a. I, I'll just say it, it hasn't been taken what, very seriously. Well, lately, yes. No, but I mean, even in the past, like, oh, okay. like there's just a lot of kind of um, snubbing, if you will. But it can't be ignored because of how crazy popular it's been with all the masses. Variety revealed that after 40, count them, 40 years, Hamill's star will be the 2,630th star on the the uh, two-kilometer stretch and his presentation will be co-hosted by George Lucas and Harrison Ford. Hamill began his career with small roles on the likes of General Hospital, but shot to fame with the release of Star Wars in 1977. Since then, he has become a prolific voice actor, most prominently playing the Joker in various Batman TV shows, movies, and video games. This year, Hamill will co-star with Gary Oldman, and Gillian Anderson in Squadron 42, which is a space combat spinoff from the uh, successful Star Citizen project, which I don't really know a whole lot about. Is it Gillian or Jillian? That is a very good question. Because if it's Gillian Anderson, Gillian, she, was, she was on uh, X-Files. She was Scully. Absolutely. Nice. That, 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 that's one of those names where you, you just, uh, it's, it's, it's difficult <laughs> it to know for a, sure. It starts with a G. George Gillian, starts with Gillian, a G, but uh, I don't know. I, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's just thinking about like GIF, animated GIF I, exactly. or animated GIF. <laughs> I don't know. Tomato, tomato. What are you going to do? Sonic the Hedgehog movie gets 2019 release date. According to The Hollywood Reporter, the live action CGI hybrid movie will open in theaters on November 15th. 2019. Alex Osborne reports that Neil Moritz's production company, Original Film, signed a first look deal with Paramount Pictures last year after the project was put into turnaround at Sony Pictures. Moritz is on board to produce the project, and Deadpool director Tim Miller will serve as an executive producer alongside Toby Asher. Sonic the Hedgehog will be directed by Jeff Fowler, a longtime collaborator of Miller's at Blur Studio, which I'm familiar with. This will be the first full-length feature directed by Fowler. He previously helmed the 2004 short Go For Broke, which I also saw from Blur Studio, and that was that was fun. It was really cool. So you know, I, I hope it does well. You know what else is expected to come out in 2019, Russ? Steve, I'm sure there are many things that are expected to come out in 2019. <laughs> How would I know what you're getting at? I figured you're just going to take a wild, wild stab or a wild guess. <laughs> um, Captain Marvel. Very nice. Indeed. I kind of stumbled on that while I was uh, scrolling through uh, MDib. I was going to say, <laughs> I don't think I would ever guess that on the show. Um, so this one is not exactly a movie headline, but it's a TV show one, and I just thought it'd be worth just kind of throwing in there just for uh, fun. The Big Bang Theory will have Bill Gates guest starring in an upcoming episode. Ah. Uh, Apparently, it is uh, scheduled to air sometime in March, and the uh, kind of the setup is that Penny hosts him at work, and the guys do all they can for a chance to meet the billionaire. I do think it is worth noting also that in 2001, he made a cameo in Frasier. 
which makes sense because that show takes place in Seattle. And that is where his company is located. Well, not exactly Seattle, but it is in the state of Washington. <laughs> Technically, Microsoft is in Redmond. <laughs> he must be uh, trying to broaden his horizons a bit. I'm sure he, uh, he's done the computer thing a little while. You know? I, I think he's, he's taking a, a little break from philanthropy. Having some uh, on-screen fun. Well, and to be honest, he really should be on that show. I mean, they, they've had so many other big cameos from various celebrated celebrities from kind of the, the, the nerd sphere. Yeah. So finally, Joaquin Phoenix in talks to play the Joker in standalone origin film. Variety reports that Phoenix is... Uh, Director Todd Phillips's choice, or excuse me, top choice to play the famous Batman antagonist. Sources speaking to Variety confirm Phoenix agreed to the role, but Warner Brothers has declined to comment. <laughs> IGN previously confirmed that Jared Leto, who played the Joker in 2016's Suicide Squad, would not be reprising his role for Phillips's project. Instead, Warner Brothers is aiming to create a new imprint to tell stories of other characters in the DC canon, separate from any of their existing cinematic universes. Jared Leto's Joker will appear in any DCEU films, including Suicide Squad 2, should the character make an appearance in the film. What are your thoughts on the idea of them taking that approach where like you could have multiple actors playing the same character as long as they stay in their respective lanes? Uh, that, that's going to be confusing, honestly. Um, yeah, I don't know. If you're going to go back and... F yeah. They, those, they would have to release like Suicide... That next Suicide Squad way after they would release this one just so... Uh, I mean... People are going to get confused. You can't have, okay, one summer and then the following <laughs> season, we're yeah. going to have, you know, it's not going to do it. Yeah. I, I'm kind of thinking the same thing where it's like you, you need to kind of build up that rapport with a certain type of actor. You know, you're going to have your audience that will invest themselves emotionally into a certain character. And the longer you can hold on to a specific actor, the more success you're going to have just being able to tell those stories because it's, it's, it's like any kind of person that you meet for the first time, you have right. to build that relationship. So what do you think about Joaquin Phoenix being the Joker? Buzz? I think that actually has a lot of potential. I'm open to the idea. I'd have to kind of see just what goes on, but I mean, that actor can play some pretty cool roles and especially more on the creepy side. If you were yeah. like when he was in gladiator, I mean, he was pretty messed up in that, but it, he wasn't to the level of the Joker, but I think he could, he could get there. I mean, I think that I, I think I think there's some, there, there's some some untapped potential that we could see. Yeah, I you know he's he's been out of the the scene for a while, um, and I think he was going through some some troubled times. Um, I remember seeing him on Letterman, and there was this documentary that was done about him, and he was struggling a bit. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I think he would be more of the uh, the Heath Ledger type Joker than the Jared Leto or yeah. you know, you know, the Jack Nicholson uh, Joker. Now we do have a couple of fun technology stories that are not, they're not like hardcore tech, but they fall within kind of the uh, wheelhouse, mm. if you will. The United Kingdom theme park, or one of them anyway, is getting the world's first walking dead roller coaster. In the United Kingdom, Thorpe Park. If, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's T-H-O-R-P-E. 
Thorpe. Does that sound right? Or Thorpey? I don't know. No, Thorpe. It's, it's got to be Thorpe, right? Rename my son Thorpey. <laughs> no one's going to tease him in elementary school. They won't. Uh, they will unveil the new ride sometime around Easter, according to Entertainment Weekly. Instead of creating an entirely new attraction, the theme park will retool the existing X No Way Out roller coaster. The roller coaster will take riders through different locations made popular by the series, including the Prison Watch Tower, and will feature a combination of physical and digital effects. Actors playing walkers will also appear, Knew it. both before the roller coaster, as riders are lining up and will pop up throughout the ride. Knew it. I'm surprised that this is being done in the UK. I'm surprised we don't have something like that, like at, I don't know, Universal Studios or Islands of Adventure. I don't know, somewhere where like there's a theme park presence. Um, I can say that just going to San Diego Comic-Con, they would have some of these little experience events. One of which was they actually borrowed um, one of the like baseball stadiums that was nearby in San Diego. I think it was a baseball stadium, sports stadium of some kind. Anyway, they turned it into this huge like infection zone thing. Like where like you could actually have um, people who have come to Comic-Con sign up for it. And certain people got to be the, the, the walking dead. And then other of us were the survivors trying to make it to like the quarantine zone or something to that effect. And um, I mean, it, it, they really dressed up like the uh, exterior of the stadium as well as the interior. And I think that there were several nerds that got a whole lot of uh, exercise that they normally would not have gotten otherwise, but everybody loves it. Like it happens each year and it gets sold out every time. So the second story here is that Hasbro announces toy crowdfunding platform with a four foot Jabba's uh, barge model, <laughs> which I think is uh, pretty cool. Shaman Araf reported Hasbro's HasLab. That's pretty cool. HasLab. Crowdfunding platform is like Kickstarter for cool toys. And first up is Jabba's sail barge weighing in at 14 pounds. How's that for a toy? Not, Not too bad. bad. HasLab quotes, hopes to bring dream products into the hands of fans, end quote, with new models that are, quote, trophy items, insignificance, and size, end quote. If the campaigns are fully funded by the end date, the products will move into production and release exclusively to backers for now. If the goal isn't reached, backers will not be charged. Jabba's sail barge, the Katana, is the first HasLab project and will be four feet long. And of course, like I mentioned earlier, it's going to be 14 pounds. It'll cost you 500 bucks to oh, back the project, geez. which has a cutoff date of April 13th. Java's barge needs a minimum of 5,000 backers to become a reality. If fully funded, it will ship in February of 2019, next year. So, I don't know, Steve, you got 500 bucks? Uh, don't think so. Oh, come on. I know you got it in your couch. <laughs> yeah. Let me look under the mattress. Let <laughs> me break it with a piggy bank. Yeah, exactly. Watch I uh, end up spending money for it. I don't know. I'll have to take a look at it. It's something that... Uh, hmm. The next IPO or Java. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into the old topic of the day. Eh? All right, run. Hey! 
might be uh, because I have earphones on, but uh, every time that plays, I, I have this image of trumpets like right next to either <laughs> side of my head. You're going, <laughs> <laughs> we got to do a cartoon of that of your face and just <laughs> pupils like vibrating in your eyeball <laughs> yeah. sockets, earwax coming out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that is such a cool oh, song, boy. though. Every time I listen to it, I just I get pumped up. It's great and I deaf at the same time. Right, I got a little bit of ringing left over. It's all good. So our topic of the day is the Sopranos. I used to have that theme song as a ringtone on my cell phone, Russ. I believe you. I do believe you. So, so Steve has been a huge fan of the Sopranos. Um, I don't know if you watched it on TV. I think perhaps you were a bit of a late comer to the scene itself. Did right. you start watching it on DVD? Here's the dealio. So when it was on HBO. When eat a cannoli week, talk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, have, have another ziti, okay? Yeah, I'm trying to okay. Tell, tell you a story. Here, okay. 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 So when it was on HBO, I didn't really watch all that much because, well, we didn't have HBO. So back in my day, <laughs> we didn't have no HBO. Yeah, back in my day, we had no TV. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, all, watching the show was very intermittent because it, it had to be at a friend's house to watch it. So I would get an episode here, a season would go by, I'd get another episode. So it was kind of like, eh, whatever. Mm-hmm. Forget about hey, it. Hey, forget about it. So. Then I started uh, seeing a buddy of mine pretty regularly because we both worked in, in close areas, and uh, he would invite me over. <laughs> we there. worked very closely in proximity to each <laughs> other. <laughs> as a matter of fact, only three feet apart. Anyway, so breathing uh, down my neck. Yeah, <laughs> I think I got on uh, the show around like the, uh, the the fourth or fifth season, mm-hmm. and so I was watching it back to back to back. Uh, and it wasn't like, and then I stopped again, and then the sixth season came out, like the, the last part of it. And uh, he's like, you got to watch it. Things ending, you got to get caught up. And so I thought, okay, well, let me borrow what you have. Mm-hmm. So I think I borrowed the first two seasons. And then uh, I was hooked after the first two. And so then I started buying the rest. And I caught up all the way until uh, the very, very last show of the the, the, the sixth season. Mm-hmm. So uh, there, were, there were only six seasons There's only six seasons, yeah. Okay. The sixth season had like two parts to it. So it was about, I think, 12 episodes. And then it was like a sure. six more at the end. So it was mm-hmm. like 6.5. Uh, so then I, I, of course, I went back and bought all the ones that I didn't have. And uh, I, I'll tell you, Russ, that uh, I watched it all by myself <laughs> the first time. Then I showed the girlfriend. So that makes number two. Mm-hmm. Then I showed... El Papasan. No, Daddy El Padre. Uh, so that's been the third time I've seen it. So now, if I can get you hooked, uh-huh. it'll be my fourth time seeing the entire series. So it goes without saying, of course, that you are a huge yeah. fan of The Sopranos. It is a very well-written show. And if you think back to uh, that time period, there wasn't a whole lot of shows that people were a diehard 
uh, fan following of. I imagine if it took place, if it got started in the 90s, did it get started in the 90s or yeah. was it the early 2000s? Nah. I mean, we went on to the early 2000s, but it was it was started in the 90s. So maybe Seinfeld was still in its heyday. Yeah, I never watched. I, I I I couldn't get into Seinfeld, so I don't know actually when Seinfeld got started. So in Seinfeld, I think well, not not when it got started, but just in the '90s was like I think when it was hitting right. kind of. I'm talking stride. about like a, a drama show that, yeah. that people w- would watch. So if you think about it, um, after The Sopranos ended, or pretty much midway through, it really opened up the floodgates mm-hmm. for a lot of these other shows that have extreme fan followings. You know, Game of Thrones, uh, Walking Dead, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so people are, start talking about a lot of these shows that they are just avid. They have to watch them. Uh, so I think The Sopranos, I mean, I, I can't, there's nothing to back that up. But that's why I really feel to my bones that uh, Sopranos really opened up the pathway for these rest of these shows to follow. Well, and I think it's worthy of it being the topic of the day just because I just finished watching the very first episode with you before the show, before mm-hmm. this recording session. And I can start to see certain catalysts that will make for a very interesting reveal, I guess you could say later on down the road, but yeah, it's, it's funny. Cause you have just, it was, they're not even Blu-rays. They're like the normal DVDs. Yeah. yeah. And so popped them into the, the PS4 and it's just funny to see how far we've come technologically, right. how just regular DVDs. I remember when, when DVDs first came out, it was just like, wow, this is like so much better than the VHS. And now looking at DVDs and thinking, man, this is just a low resolution. It's amazing. Not to mention the fact that the show itself had production values that were really much more basic than a lot of the, the newer TV shows of today. And, but in a way I kind of like that, like watching this particular episode, you could tell that a lot of the, the stages were just that, like, like just if he was in the psychiatrist room or if he was talking to other people at some sort of like poker table or whatever. Yeah. Part of the, Part of the technological aspect of it is that you have a TV that's way higher resolution Mm -hmm. than what the film was made on. So even what up converting that the uh, the PS4 can do, it's still not going to be to the resolution that the TV is. So uh, in a way, if you my my old TV, my old little 32 inch Panasonic that I had, it actually looked better running on there on my Xbox one than it actually runs on your TV because mm-hmm. my, my old Panasonic was a 720 yeah. P not a 1080 P. Yeah. So in a way, I, all the, every single time I've watched it, it's always looked better than it actually did tonight just because your TV has that higher of a threshold sure. for, uh, for resolution. Yeah. But in, in a way though, I kind of like how it looks dated. I don't know. There's something about it that, <laughs> I, I don't know. I find appealing. I just think it, it's just, all right, I'll get into it. This is, yeah. this is the, not everything I watch has to be absolutely like just pushing the envelope and stuff. So, so David Chase uh, wrote and directed it. Okay. And he also went on after this show, he went on to write and direct Mad Men, which was also very successful. And you so, also watched. Yeah. Completely. I mean, now that, did that you start show, watching Mad Men because you found out that that was the director? Yes. Okay. Yes. Do Plus, you see certain similarities? Oh yeah. Oh okay. for sure. Yeah. And and you know of course Madman's not you know more more of a cleaner show than the right. Sopranos are of course. It was on regular cable. 
but still very, very well written. Plus, I, you know, I, I like advertising and whatnot, and that's right yeah. up my alley. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm very curious to see how this plays out. I know you've been after me for a very long time. I have. And like a good brother, I have decided to say, okay, let me, let, let me, mm-hmm. allow me to dip my proverbial toe into the world of The Sopranos. And uh, we'll see what comes out of it. But <laughs> no, I, I I know that this this TV series was tremendously popular back when it was out. And I, even though I never watched it, I, I mean, I heard people talk about it oh, all the time. Yeah, no, when this whole show wrapped up, tons of like just regular news outlets, not even like entertainment channels, but yeah. news outlets were going, oh man, The Sopranos, you see the last episode? Uh, the story is actually kind of funny because you think, you know, okay, mafia guy, uh, you know, someone's going to get whacked, you know, he's sleeping with the fishies. Yeah. Uh, but you said you have this guy who's basically has two families that he's trying to balance, right? So he has his innocent family, uh, partly who knows what he does and partly who does not know Mm -hmm. what he does. I mean, and even if he can't release the details of what he does. Raise him in like upper middle class suburbia. Correct, yeah. Trying to be, raise him right at the same time. And then uh, you have uh, his other family, let's say, which is the the, the mobbed up family mm-hmm. and who is supposed to stay away from his, uh, you know, personal family. So you have drama going on with, with both, with his wife and his kids just acting like wives and kids do. And right. he has everything else going on. He's trying to balance and he's having panic attacks. He has to go see a psychiatrist. And like what mob person would go see a psychiatrist? There is a good balance I've noticed just with the, just the, the first episode I've watched of comedy and violence. Like, like there we're not really violence by itself, but I guess drama is a more appropriate word. Just having the, the comedy and, and, um, drama going back and forth. I don't know. It, it, for whatever reason, it does work pretty well. And I think I, I'm not sure if that style, that, that that type of formula, would work necessarily in other setups. But for this kind of Italian mobster kind of thing, I don't, the way that they've cultivated these these characters, it seems to work so far. I. Uh, what do you think of the opening, Rose? Did the, did the opening? Give you like a you know a nice view of Jersey and kind of set you set the tone, set the mood for how the the thing was going to play out. I was a little surprised by the opening because honestly, it didn't feel like um, the type of opening that that I've come to expect from HBO. A lot of the the TV show openers that I watch, all the main title sequences, they really do have a lot of polish to them. And this one really struck me as almost like, like not, not home video esque, but more like, like it's a project pitch. Like, like it's almost as if they filmed that to show backers or potential backers. Hey, this is what we'd like to do. Here's, here's kind of a, um, a tasting or a sampling of like a live action mood board, if you will. Where like the, you know people who maybe angel investors or whatever it is wh- whoever would fund the show they'd get a feel for but they clearly didn't have the budget yet and so I guess a question I have for you is do they use that intro for all six seasons Yes Wow Okay Yes There there is a rawness to the, the the intro itself which 
I mean, just go again, going back to production values, it seems like the intro itself is lower than the actual episode itself. Right. Yeah. I, I, that's it I, had to have been the first thing that they shot. I, th- I th- <laughs> yeah. I'm just spitballing a guess on this, but it, it, that that's what it strikes me as. Yeah. No, it, it uh, I, it had to be the first thing. Well, it, it was, I mean, you, James Gandolfini, you'll see later on in episodes and seasons, you know, he gets older and sure. he changes. And, uh, so the, all the other actors and actresses, uh, of course, all you see is James, but, uh, uh, he doesn't know age in any other season opening, you know, it's just the same thing in and out. So, uh, but I like how, how old school it is where, uh, he's not doing anything above and beyond ordinary. Mm-hmm. He's just driving in and out of the Jersey turnpike, smoking a cigar. He's driving his old suburban, keeping to himself the strong silent type that he was referring to Gary Cooper. Yeah. It was, it was cool to see. I don't know the, the show that is itself taking place in the nineties because a lot of the topics or, or conflicts, they did. It's so funny how those always remain the same. It's like these universal issues that people wrestle with and it doesn't matter which decade you're in. Right. And it's just fun to see that also too, just looking at his family, you can tell it's a dysfunctional family. Yep. There are a lot of uh, complications that are going on with the different relationships. So I'm sure we're going to see quite a bit of things unfold as a result of that. And to your point too, just, the more I learn about the just the kind of the the crime family hierarchy, how the, the things work out, who his allies are, who his enemies are, who are the turncoats, that sort of thing. I'm, I'm I'm anticipating there to be quite a bit of this twists and turns, and I it, I'm thinking that the psychiatrist scenes are kind of the the safe area, if you will, where where it kind of brings everything back to to center, so to speak, and then we kind of branch out from there here and there that sort of thing yeah what's interesting and kind of funny is tony is not a good guy right he's the bad guy but he's the main character he's like a likable antagonist exactly the right. anti-hero he's the anti-hero he's the likable antagonist because i mean he's a mob boss yeah so he's not he's not helping the world out any but we end up as the viewer loving Tony mm-hmm. at the same time, which is, you know, it's getting perplexing in a, in a sense. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, I for one look forward to watching more of this. I'm glad I'm, I'm actually, um, acting on uh, your recommendation <laughs> after all of these years. Hey, better late than never, right? Well, acting on a, on a, on the agreement that I would finish <laughs> stranger things than we would watch. Yeah. It. Absolutely. Uh, here we are. And, and there, there are six seasons. There you go. Yay. All right. Well, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to this episode of Joygasm. Be sure to check us out on patreon.com slash joygasm and subscribe to get the most out of the show. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. In addition to iTunes and Android, you can listen to our podcast on TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.com slash joygasm TV. Last, but certainly not least, search Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 Central Time. Until next time, happy gaming, people!